All right, I'm going to introduce our panel. So could I have uh, Steve come back up? Renee Cunningham is going to come up. Um, I'll have them introduce themselves and tell what church they're from. Um, Miguel and then Danny and Letty are going to come up. And then um, Dave, David Jacob is going to be our moderator. He's going to get the ball rolling by asking a question or two. And here's what I was thinking uh, would be cool. Just to wrap up our time here, we kind of wanted to have this time where you could ask some questions to people who are practitioners and they're on the ground doing what you do as a pastor and a leader from week to week. And as we've heard Steve just share this week with us and even as we kind of reflect on some of our experiences, even at the National Conference and this past summer and what God has been stirring up in us, and maybe you even have questions about what you experienced here, you know, this, this week that would be helpful for you to talk about or, or ask a question about. So one of the things that I'm hoping we'll walk away with is that we would see ourselves becoming more and more present to the things of the Spirit. And so to sort of set our, our, our tone for, you know, where we want to go, what would be helpful to you to see that happen even more? Think about that. Like, you know, do you see yourself becoming more present to the things of the Spirit? Are you growing in the things of the Spirit? Are you, are you, you know, are you committed? And what does it look like for you uh, to, to receive the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit and to depend on the Spirit? I told my workshop yesterday that for me, I have to go all the way out to my comfort zone and then take another step. All the way out to the edge of my comfort zone and then take another step. And when I'm living there, I'm depending on the spirit more than my own natural gifts and abilities. So what does that look like? What does it feel like, you know, for you as a leader? And so we're going to talk about that. If we get a random question about baseball, David Jacob's going to shut you down somehow. I don't know. David, you can do whatever the Spirit tells you to do. Awesome. I mean, does God love baseball? Yeah. I don't know. But um, it, it, you can be uh, random to the degree that it has something to do with leadership uh, and is pertinent to, you know, where we all live and work and, and want to, the space we want to grow in. So uh, we're going to start out. David, you're going to ask them a question. They're going to introduce themselves and get the ball rolling, and then uh, you guys, there's my mic and this one here, are going to roam, and they'll run. They'll run like Michelle ran to you. Just stand up, uh, and they'll run over to you and give you a microphone so that the questions are on the mic. All right? God bless our time as we uh, just explore a little bit more uh, from you, Father. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Brenda. So while you all are kind of getting your questions going, um, just have uh, just a quick question for you all. Um, just I've, I've heard some of your stories as you've kind of shared uh, what's going on in your church, but uh, what are some of the things that you've seen, particularly in the recent season, as you've leaned into uh, Holy Spirit ministry? Well, for us at, um, at Lavinia Gurney, pastoring Lavinia Gurney, uh, and it's funny that just coming to the conference, we were talking about um, certain um, decisions that we have to make regarding that. Why? Because as a church, and that's on me, uh, I am more lean to uh, theology, 
doctrine, the gospel, because that's my Reformed Baptist background, and sometimes shows up. And I am aware that the Lord brought that to my attention a few weeks before the conference that I was personally and leaving the church. I was leading the church more to this side. So the Lord was clear with me towards where he wants his church to go to his presence and the power of the spirit. Um, as you all know, we had a conference about the Holy Spirit and they asked us to fast. And like Steve said, I don't like to fast. I get hungry, I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> we fasted a couple of days and um, the Lord started to emphasize in, in me and my wife to have a series about the Holy Spirit. And we did, we started about uh, a month ago. But at the same time, we were doing, an, we are on, on Thursdays, we're having a Bible study and we were we are doing the book of Romans, and I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, I want you to start with the book of uh, the Acts, yeah, Echos Acts. So, and going back, looking at all this, I'm like, the Holy Spirit is doing something. So we start doing the Holy Spirit series, and the Lord already started doing amazing things. And I got up in front of the congregation, and I had to say them, open my heart. That was kind of a little bit of um, a shame, or a shame, is that the word? Vergüenza? Embarrassed? No, not embarrassed. No, shame, embarrassed. And um, of, um, that thing came out, right? And uh, I, I, I opened my heart to the congregation, and I said, you know what? I, wanted to, I want to ask you for forgiveness, because as your pastor, I haven't been doing a good job at as talking to you about the Holy Spirit, uh, presenting to you the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you don't even know me enough. And it's been shocking. And as, uh, also reading about all this, I was uh, listening to a, a, a message from Dr. Stanley, and he was saying, if you're in a church where they don't speak to you, they don't teach you about the Holy Spirit, they don't do things of the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, you must leave. So I'm like, I hope my congregation doesn't read, doesn't listen to that. <laughs> But yeah, the Lord has been doing amazing things. We have seen uh, uh, many people saying, hey, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in me. Uh, Steve just gave me a word uh, about Sebastian, and I'll share it with you soon. But, <laughs> but you got to wait. Sorry. But that, you got to wait now. That, I mean, things like that, Steve, that's what the Lord is doing in our church. So yeah. Good. Thank you. Um, my name is Renee. I pastor the neighborhood campus is the second uh, campus of the Evanston Vineyard and we're noticing uh, a few things that I would say are happening regularly on a Sunday morning one is is that people are coming expectant they're just expectant and so uh, they will wait a little bit longer in silence 
They'll follow you. They'll follow the worship leader in a prophetic moment a little bit further. They will not rush out the door, um, or they will, they will leave a little slower, if there's a way to say that. Um, and so it has been kind of a privilege and a responsibility to just explain what's happening in the moment. So more often than not, now on a Sunday morning, I'm standing up and saying, okay, here's what's happening. You know the wind? It's here. Or, you know, the thing that we talk about is going to happen, that's what's happening in this moment. And so just giving people some vocabulary for what's happening is um, really making it be that much more hospitable for people who have no experience, no vocabulary, no framework for what's happening here. And so they're just that much more eager, willing to, to lean into what God's doing in the moment. But people are showing up ready to see what God wants to do. There's a curiosity um, that I notice repeatedly on a Sunday morning. That's good. Steve, you got anything? <laughs> well, the seasons are changing is, you know, our experience, you know, uh, from a, a season where, I mean, it's funny because we have, you know, we've never stopped teaching about healing or prophecy or, or doing those things, and we've seen lots of healings all the time. But there is a, a now a much more palpable sense of, like, anything could happen, of God working. And a lot of it is not so much in healing, but in reorienting pe people's lives and kind of uh, helping them reimagine themselves and their lives and even resurrecting old dreams and visions. Um, it's uh, the prophecy of Ezekiel of the dry bones has become really important to us. And the, the, the prophecy where uh, he says, you know, the, the people of Israel, they feel that their hopes are dead. And that they are nothing more than dry bones in the desert. But when the wind comes, they come back to life. When the wind comes, there's resurrection. And that's what's happening to a lot of our people right now. And it's just a gentle wind right now. Although you got a little bit of a taste in the worship last night of like, What's coming? I'm expecting a tornado, but uh, <laughs> so get ready. All right, all right. Uh, one more question, and then uh, I don't see anybody standing up. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Hang on. All right, let me ask one more question. Hold on to your questions. Uh, so, uh, just really quickly, you guys have talked just us uh, briefly, just kind of on as the season as you've kind of been pressing into the Holy Spirit this season, you're kind of making some changes. Renee, you mentioned kind of waiting a little bit longer. Um, but that requires some adjustment, right? I mean, you can't keep that same rhythm that you've been going at, um, that you've been in for so long. What are some of just the practical adjustments that you've had to make as you lean into the Holy Spirit, like waiting, et cetera? Well, at Lavinia Gurney, uh, we have the blessing and privilege that Ivania, say hi, Ivania. She led us yesterday. She leads worship in our church. And Gary, so uh, 
Thank you, yes. So, because of what happened a few months back, um, that I was leaning and leading the, the church towards this side, um, I asked him in a practical way, just, just let the Holy Spirit move the, 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 uh, the moment at worship time. Uh, and, and, and just feel free to do so. Uh, that's good. So, so that's a practical way. So you encourage them to uh, maybe give up a little bit less of the structural structure of what worship used to be and just kind of feel for what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I think even just taking the time to, to slow down, I think we're, we're so used to rushing, right? Rushing, there's a schedule, there's a time. We have to make sure that the teachers aren't going crazy and the kids and we have all this, you know, we just want to make sure that uh, that everything is, is, is running in that schedule that we have in our minds. And I think sometimes we forget to slow down. And when we slow down, that's when we're really listening or in tune to what the spirit is trying to tell us and where he's trying to lead us instead of rushing out of, you know, that and just saying, oh, Holy Spirit, I don't have time to listen to you right now. And for us, uh, I felt like it has to start with me. It has to start with me and my wife. My wife is way more spiritual than I am. And uh, I just, I'm just trying to be humble, okay? I have to say that some people don't notice it. Let me be serious, please. So my wife, she's very spiritual, and sometimes she's experiencing these things. Mm -hmm. So, but especially in the very beginning, she was, you know, she was feeling stuff, and you know, the Holy Spirit and angels and the uh, mm -hmm. heaven open, and you feel it, you feel it, and I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, not really. But she will pray for me and everything. But something that lately the Lord's been doing something amazing in my life personally, and I'm hunger for it. I'm been reading more about it. I took basic theology and we read, uh, we learned about the Holy Spirit and um, and actually twice in like in a period of three three years. But right now it's been more like me wanting to do it. I mean, you were talking about intentionally, you know. And to be honest, I think I think that I exaggerate when I say we don't know the Holy Spirit in our church. I think we kind of know it, but it was more unintentional. Is that the word you use? Unintentional things happening. The Lord's been doing something in people, in families, but right now it's going to be intentionally, like teaching people. I, I hear you saying like discipling people about this topic, and. Uh, so we, I told her, and it has to start with me, and then uh, going with our leaders. And I've been telling the leaders, please feel free. Feel free to do that. Because uh, the other thing that the Holy Spirit was, uh, was, I felt like he was saying, are you willing to risk? And I'm like, I wanted to ask, like, how much? <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I am willing to, ri to, to risk. And uh, so Felipe preached on the second uh, Christian Felipe and the second uh, message of the Holy Spirit in this series about three, two, three Sundays ago, and he said, "Let's wait." And there was no music, so I'm like, "Uh oh." You know, we're so used to they have to be music in there, worship. So we're like sitting in there waiting, and there I felt like it was like five minutes. 
I think it was one minute, but I felt like it was five minutes. And Felipe was like, let's wait. And I'm like. <laughs> and there were, time was going by. But then I started hearing like someone weeping. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> Spirit is doing something. And then you start hearing this way. And we had a powerful Sunday. And because we, my, he, he said, let's wait. So that's what that, that's good. Um, I think part of it, what is, two things I think have shifted for me. One is how I understand my role in the room. You know, I know what my responsibilities are on a Sunday morning. I know what, you know, the moment I'm supposed to get up and do my piece. But um, I am owning my role as a steward of the Holy Spirit in a whole new way. And it just cues myself in the room differently, right? I'm paying attention differently. Um, I am uh, kind of calling out to, I have a, a habit now with the worship leaders where I'll say something similar to last night when uh, someone, I think Steve or Ted were saying, yes, Lord, I will say, that's it. You know, and I'm, it's kind of saying to the person, that moment that you're leaning into, go for it. And we do have to stick to the clock. You know, we have a traveling preacher, so we are time sensitive. And for all the moments that we have leaned into what God is doing in the moment, we have never missed the clock. And there's just something about that, this illusion of the time of, you know, be careful. We don't want to. And, and we have a real moment, right, where we have, a, we have a real potential disaster should the preacher not be there at the right moment. We've never run the clock. Um, and so we've all been flexible enough. I'm also um, sitting next to people who are learning to follow the Holy Spirit in a new way on a Sunday morning. So when something shifts, I will say to them, did you feel it? Or that was it. Did you see it? Or they'll lean. I got this guy who's really eager, and he'll be like, did it just happen? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, I don't think so, but okay. Um, but it's just there's a, there's a sweetness to that, right, where I'm just – intentionally choosing to sit by people who are trying to learn how to steward. And so it's kind of fun to, to realize, like, I don't want to be the only one that notices when the Holy Spirit's moving, right? Um, the more ears, the more eyes, the better. And so I'm enjoying sitting with those people on a Sunday morning and saying, that's it, that right there. Look at that person. Watch how this is happening. Um, so that has shifted for me in the last few months. That's good. So I... I really appreciate your answers, and what I what I hear from you is that, you know, there's no doubt the Holy Spirit can do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, right? But it seems like the rhythms of your church are changing because you are making adjustments in you, whether it's your expectations, um, you know, being more sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, uh, or just kind of considering, you know, maybe I'm leaning uh, too much into one style of ministry over the other. That's really good. All right. Uh, I got see Mike waving I, his hand wildly. I got a question. What, what, what are some things when the when the wind? We, we've talked about a gentle breeze is here. There's a stronger breeze coming. What are some things to pay attention to? Um, when the it, when it's a full force gale, like when it <laughs> really starts to blow. Like as leaders in the room, what what are some things that are important to pay attention to? looking at Steve. Steve? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not positive, but I think partly based on the uh, dream or vision that Carol Wimber had, I think she shared about this on the 
the Ferment podcast, the interview with Carol Wimber. So if you haven't heard that, I would recommend you find it because she doesn't do this very often, but the lady's really prophetic, okay? Like, really prophetic. And I think this time, when the tornado comes, it's going to be pointed more towards evangelism. Um, and that we're going to see, like, a big harvest of people coming to the Lord. So I think you should start, like, not letting a Sunday go by without giving challenging people to make a step towards Jesus and you should get your follow-up you know process however you're going to help people move from that first step into becoming disciples you need to get that figured out and in place so that when if if you all of a sudden are getting you know 10 times as many new converts as you were before like you're ready to like you know help you know help them grow and help them get discipled and I think that, uh, I think something that we need to make aware to, um, to our flock is that these moments, they can experience it at home, at work, at the school. And, and uh, we have to be intentional to remind them that. If you, if you feel a prompting from the spirit, go for it. Even though you're at, at work, at a Walmart, or about to enter into a movie theater, because I'm convinced that these glorious, beautiful moments, we can experience them as a church everywhere we go. And, 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 the, and the kingdom of God can be manifested wherever his church is. I got to tell a story about exactly that. So last Sunday, one of our longtime members, he's been with us now for 44 years. He's been in our church. He came up to me last Sunday, and the guy was so excited. Like, he couldn't contain himself. He had led three people to Jesus in the last week. And here's how it happened. He went to his longtime friends who have been completely resistant. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. Leave me alone. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to come on them, and he did. <laughs> and they are not atheists anymore. <laughs> That's good. So, I mean, it's just a simple thing. Like, yeah. they have this faith that if we, like, put our hands on them and pray, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to get them. Yeah. And... And they just start, like, just giving it out everywhere, and boom. Well, and when it happens outside of a Sunday morning, it's that much more powerful to people, right? They expect something to happen in the room when we're together corporately, but then when they experience God in their neighborhood or at work or with their longtime friends, um, there is something about that faith that takes root that, takes root that is different. Because they've experienced the Holy Spirit in their wider world. We, in the past Sundays, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I, I call one of uh, the people that just came into our church. And I say, hey, I just want to know how, how it was for your girlfriend, you know. Um, she visited us. And how, how, it was, how it was for her. 
And she, and she said, he said, she liked it a lot. But you know what? My friend wants to speak to you. So he invited his friend from work to our church. He's been coming to our church for like three, four weeks. And he said, hey, pastor, I have a question. And I said, yes. He said, is your church like a reformed Catholic? <laughs> and I, I'm not going to tell you what I answered, but <laughs> I, I said to him, kind of. And he said, because... He said, because I'm a Catholic, but you know what? When I come to your church, I don't experience that in a Catholic church. It's the Lord, he moves a lot in me, and then when I go out, I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm, I'm waiting to come again. So he's been coming, he hasn't stopped. And then we had another lady who needed to do a community hours. So she heard by her sister who used to be a volunteer at the food shelf that her sister, when she used to come, whenever she has some issues or she needed prayer, she would go to my wife. And she said, hey, Rosie, would you pray for me? So my wife would pray for her. And every time my wife prayed for her, it happened, just like she, how we pray. So she told her sister. So her sister came this, this past, past Sunday to do community hours. And she said, hey, I have heard a lot of things about you. And, uh, but I'm here to do community hours. I'm Catholic, okay? I'm Catholic. I'm like, okay. So I, this is what we need you to do. We need to, whenever there's something uh, that needs to be clean, uh, we need you to help cleaning and that. We clean from the beginning and we clean, we clean after. And, but I said, during the service, I said during the mass, really, because she, so she understands. I ask God for forgiveness. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just kidding. I I'm feel totally free to speak their language. <laughs> so I said, I said, during the Mass, I need you to sit inside. <laughs> <laughs> because if a coffee or something drops inside, I want them to see you. <laughs> so they're going to come and get you. I want them to see you. Really, I wanted her to be sitting inside and experiencing everything that the Lord is doing. I called the leader of the cleaning team and I said, hey, this lady is going to come. Because we just started doing this. I said, this lady is going to come to do community hours. I'm like, that's just a hook to bring her into Christ. So be gentle. Be nice to her, okay? So she, she came out of the service. We're done. She finds my wife and she said, this is amazing. I needed to come outside and call my husband to tell her I'm here to do my community hours, but this is awesome. I'm experiencing God, you know, and it's just amazing, and she's going to continue to come, and I think the Lord's going to do something in her, and this is That's all great. the Holy Spirit. That's great. Hey, man, you got somebody? Yeah. I mean, hey, we have a bunch of uh, questions in this table that she's going to start. Uh, okay, um, my name is Martha, and my husband is Antoine, and we started in La Viña in Amberville Heights two years, six months ago, and we are really happy, and uh, we are growing more than we expected. So his background is Pentecostal, my background is Nazarene, and we met Vineyard uh, 2007, so we are mixture between a lot of things. But the thing is, uh, we are growing too much. And when we, we, we used to promote the, the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we don't know how to quiet things because sometimes we have, we have a chaos. Chaos. chaos, thank you. Uh, so 
um, we saw some new people that get afraid. Yeah, so what is the border? Yeah, because we don't want to hurt the new ones. And we want to teach the, the new vineyard in our church. So this is my question. Sometimes I have people that start crying. And so we descend to the, 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 the thing. And we try to, to count down them because they have different backgrounds. They are new at La Viña. But, uh, but you know, the Latino, we used to do something weird things. <laughs> so as a pastor, we try to, to teach them naturally, supernaturally. Mm -hmm. So, but that's my question, how we can uh, order this thing. So uh, I think that happens a lot and that it's a very overwhelming moment, right? Because you don't want to scare, you don't want to scare anybody. So I actually think uh, rather than choosing to calm it, I would choose to explain it. Um, I think there is something really empowering for the whole room when you very calmly stand up in very normal speak or like language and phrasing say, this is God. We pray come Holy Spirit and he came. And so what, and that looks different for different people. And you almost host in that moment like a five minute training for the whole room. And then you direct the room towards what God is doing. So you say, um, some of our leaders are going to go over there and pray for them. And those of you that are gathered around them, go participate. Put your hands on them. Pray that God would show you what he's doing. And so I think there's something really powerful about turning the room in towards each other and towards what God is doing rather than um, making that scary, right? Because if we begin to make that scary or unapproachable, then when we say, come Holy Spirit, everyone's going to, you know, keep one eye open because that looks scary, right? I don't want that. Um, but I think, so I spend a lot of time explaining in really simple phrases. Um, and then if there is some, if there are a few spaces that the, the crying is loud or the shaking is particularly distracting, then I just kind of say, you know, the Holy Spirit's also over here, right? You begin to name where the Holy Spirit's at in the room. So not all of it, not all the attention is directed in one way. And then begin to kind of equip people in the moment to, to pray for each other with what God is doing in, in those specific spaces. It's so easy just to say, you know, folks, God is here and he so much wants to bring healing to people who are hurting. And this person's crying and this or this person's shaking because that's what's happening. You know, it, it, if God was here, don't you think it would, it would be like that? You know, like, let's all join in on that. Just kind of but use the language of. He really wants, God is here, and he wants to heal people, and he wants to set people free. And everybody goes, oh, okay, then that's all right. Because, because that's, what's, that's what they're going on. So I, I think, again, just kind of a little, just have some little kind of scripts for how to, how to say it in like a sentence or two. This is what's happening. And uh, I don't want to sound so pragmatic about it or practical, but even in the tone of voice, so whoever is leading the service is very important. For example, you two guys sound beautifully saying, 
The Holy Spirit is here. Is here. God is here. But imagine a Latino. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. Forget it. You just gave him permission to do whatever. That's a reality in a Latino setting, right? It, but that's, that's really important. And, and, and yes, uh, unfortunately, in the Hispanic arena tribe, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't know how to be sensitive to those moments. Sometimes we are the gasoline <laughs> for those moments, whoever is leading. For example, uh, these past days and these beautiful, glorious moments that we have had here with the Holy Spirit has been how the Word of God says, what? In order, right? But still, the Spirit moves. And that's something beautiful that we have in Vineyard. And we as Hispanics, as a La Viña, we highly appreciate that we can experience the powerful presence of the Lord, but still in order, just how the word God says. So for us in La Viña Gurney, is that moment is between you and the Lord, just rejoice in that, okay, experience that, but if the person who is uh, crying all loud or doing whatever is experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, the same is for the person who is sitting in silence crying. It's the same power of the Holy Spirit. So if someone is crying or speaking in tongues over there all loud, glory to God, but, but the brother and sister who is right there in a broken, beautiful moment with the Father, that is the power of the Holy Spirit as well. So that's the beauty of who we are as being. That's good. But I think uh, maybe some of you have the same question I had. Uh, yesterday, there was a, a work workshop uh, led by Brenda. And I don't know. Would you give permission to Brenda to answer something like this? What happens? What happens when it's just all emotions? Or it's just one person distracting almost every meeting we have. What happens then? And she was telling us a story of uh, how there was this lady who came, who came to the service. And she would be like, you know, all over the place with flags and all that kind of stuff. And it's just distracting. And, you know, doing stuff there was distracting. And if, if I remember correctly, she said that she went, she got closer, she sat down. And she started praying, Holy Spirit, take control. If this is the flesh, take control of the flesh. Or I rebuke the flesh. She says something like that. I don't know what she said, but she says something like that. And all of a sudden, this lady, she was moving all around, and she stopped. And she, stopped, and she started just receiving. Because we're going to have those moments, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I think we're going to have those moments when it's really the flesh. People... Uh, want the attention, you know, and, and they're just distracting. There will be other moments when it's really the Holy Spirit, and, and I believe that we, we have to call it out and say, hey, that's the Holy Spirit. Why don't we gather around? Why don't we embrace this, you know? But um, I, I'm, 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 I'm like Daniel, like I'm being careful. I'm being careful that we're not doing things on the flesh, and it's just emotions. 
and we're confusing people. And I think the Lord wants me to be more taking risk, but at the same time being be very aware of not falling into just the emotion and the flesh, but really it's the Holy Spirit doing something. Because the Holy Spirit, I, I want the Holy Spirit to be doing all that stuff, but more than that, transformations in people's life. Now, someone said, it's not, it, it's really nice when you fall, but it's even better when, how, what are you going to do after you get up? That's good. As you guys were talking, I was just uh, reminded uh, of my kids, how they um, at one point or another have been afraid of like thunder and lightning. And we've just had to just very calm, we stay calm, right? And we very gently help them understand like this is normal and this is okay. And you know, we don't make a big deal of it. And I just feel like what I heard you guys saying is, you know, just stay calm and almost parent them, pastor them through that moment to say, this is normal, this is okay. God does this stuff. That's really good. Oh, yeah, Leo. You have to pastor them. You have to get up and say what things are. Peter does it on the day of Pentecost. After Pentecost, he gets up and he says, this is that. Let me tell you what's going on. Okay? Giving them the this is that. This is the explanation is important. And sometimes you got to do it in the middle of the worship. So it's either got to be the worship leader is ready and has permission to stop and do that. Or the pastor just, you have to get up and just like be the pastor. You got to pastor the thing in the middle, you know. Um, um, and that'll be, that'll pretty much get you in the right spot. And if we agree, we need to pray for discernment. That's the word God says in those moments as well. Really quick, a quick uh, story, real story. We have um, uh, a friend who's a pastor in Mexico. And uh, he invited uh, a missionaries from Africa to go to this church, not a vineyard. Uh, but they, they move in the gifts as well. So uh, they were in this town in Mexico. They came. The African brother was the main speaker in this conference. And uh, just the Lord moved in a powerful way. But it was this particular person who was speaking in tongues, and I do this, all right? So this person, he was speaking in tongues, and the missionary uh, approached our friend, and he said, get me out of here right now. And our friend got confused. So he said, what's, what's the matter? Get me out of here right now. So we, they went out of the church, and our brother uh, explained to our friend, do you know what's going on there? Do you know what this person is saying? He's speaking in a tribal African language. He's cursing God and he's cursing the Lord and he's cursing his church. So you see, we need heavenly discernment and all these things as well. Um, what does it look like to do this with kids, with students, with youth? Like, how can we incorporate that with a whole church? Yeah. 
Um, well, I grew up in a kids' ministry where we were the beneficiaries of learning that, or being told and kind of given language for Jesus speaks to us. And so you can hear him, so let's practice right now. Um, and so I grew up doing that. And I'll tell you, the younger you start, the less you have to unlearn. It's how you just learn to live with Jesus. And so um, this winter, I host a, we host a kids, uh, like a third, fourth, fifth um, grade small group in our basement uh, in the winter. And uh, this past winter, I went down. I taught on how to listen to Jesus in 15 minutes. They were squirrely, right? And then I said, uh, Jesus is with us right now. Do you want to practice listening to him right now? And they were like, totally. They were so bought in. And I said, okay, so who can we listen for? Does anybody want to volunteer? Um, what that means is that we are all going to listen to Jesus for this person. We're going to just see what Jesus has to say. And this one kid uh, raises his hand really fast. And I said, great, get in the middle. So he gets in the middle, and I just prayed, Jesus, would you speak to us for, for our friend, this guy? And, uh, oh, my gosh, you guys, they were so eager. They were so sincere. I wish that we listened that way because they knew that Jesus was going to speak to them for this kid in the middle. They went down the line. They all had something to say for him, and I just helped them work it out in the moment, right? So you're just coaching them. One, one kid goes, nobody freak out but I totally am about to predict the future. <laughs> and I said, okay, wait, hold on, quick thing. You're not about to do anything. You are a listener. And whatever you think you're gonna say to this friend is what Jesus has given you to say. And the way that, I use, the way that we say it is, there's a tube between Jesus' mouth and your ear, and so it's your responsibility to have as clean a tube as possible. And so be a good messenger. Any kid that's gone to school for two days knows that being a good listener is the top goal in the classroom. So we just use those, that language. And then this kid said something to that kid, and I'll tell you, it was really about the future of their family. And so I just helped her work out her theology in the moment. <laughs> but it was a truly prophetic moment. And so I think it's, it's the same thing we do with adults. We're saying, this is what we believe. God speaks, you're designed to hear him, and he wants you to hear him. We give them some framework theology, we practice together and have them and work it out together in real time. And so uh, we do that with our kids. We do that, you can do that with youth. Start early, start early, really, really early. That's good. And I want to add to that is we as a leaders, we need to bring the responsibility to our families to model that at home as well. Because as a parents, we take our kids, we take our youth uh, to the church so they can be teach. But in reality, we work as a team in the church of Christ. So that's very important that our kids and our youth, mm -hmm. they are being influenced by our way of living in the kingdom by the power of the spirit. I've been thinking about, and I think this is the Holy Spirit 
I've been thinking about finding a good material to give to the uh, to our our Sunday school teachers who teach our children, and also to practice the work of the Holy Spirit in their in their meetings in their classes. So I think I'm excited. I don't know how it's going to end. I just know that it's going to be good. So uh, something good's happening. That's good. Dave, you got something to add? We're going to be in this table for a while. <laughs> uh, no, no, another question. Uh, how can we, what is the difference between promote, provoke, manipulate? How can I achieve this movement without pushing people, without, you know, what is allowed to say, what I have to keep for myself? How can guide that stuff is, is blur? Thank you. So just um, repeating the question, make sure I understand. Uh, just really discerning kind of what the Holy Spirit is doing and uh, being able to respond, whether it's uh, um, uh, manipulation or sort of getting the moment going or just really understanding how, like the next steps to take in that moment. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yeah, or the people in the meeting, how they allow to say what? We can see a lot of bad experience about people. Right, right. I think that a good example of zero manipulation and just the work of the spirit was last night. Um, Ivania didn't push us, didn't drag us to herself. She only led us to Jesus and to the cross. And the rest is the work of the spirit. She didn't have to do anything. And that, that's, the, um, that's what it, it keeps everything pure in the kingdom. When we don't put our hands on anything, everything is done by the power of the Spirit in these beautiful moments, just like last night. There's no need for that. When, when, when the Spirit is there, it's so palpable, and, 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 and we can sense it. And even who is leading or preaching, because even through preaching, we can manipulate people, isn't it? So we have to, as leaders, worship leaders, ministry, or as a pastors, we need to let the work of the Spirit, uh, where and, 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 and wherever we are, alone, and do not do not get our hands on it. Otherwise, it will be our work, not the work of the Spirit. And last night, it was beautiful, glorious, because we surrendered everything to Him, and we kept it pure. So that's that's a good sign of when someone is not manipulating or dragging people or playing with emotions, all right? So that's, that's very healthy, beautiful moments before the Lord. Yeah, I, I generally try to keep my own demeanor very calm and not show any emotion. Like last night, you guys saw the most emotion that I've shown in public in like 10 years. <laughs> you were running. You were running across the room. Yeah, well, that was to get her to <laughs> prophesy. But but, uh, <laughs> but normally I try to, like, I'm not using my emotion at all. I'm, like, keeping my hands off, like Daniel's saying. Like, keeping my hands off. No emotion. I just got, I got surprised last night and overwhelmed. Because when I got up here, it was, like, actually quite a bit more power than I <laughs> even was anticipating. It's sort of like... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so uh, I got shocked. So, uh, but normally I would just like not show any emotion at all. And 
It's fine for the people to have emotion in response to God, but I don't do any emotion to try to get anything to happen. Um, keep it very, that, for me, that's a, a key part of naturally supernatural. Like, you know, and uh, John would even go further. Like when the room was like really expectant, sometimes he'd just call a coffee break to, and break the mood. And then everybody comes back and it's flat as a pancake. And then the miracles would start. And then everybody knows, like, well, it's God. And I think that's when all the pressure is taken off of us, right? When we're not trying to manipulate or trying to, you know, because I think before anything was even said, before Ivanya or, or before Steve even came up to Ivanya and said, prophesy, you know, before that even happened, I think we all sensed the whole, this Holy Spirit in the room. I heard people crying everywhere around me, right? So we all felt it. We all know. And that was just Steve being, okay, Holy Spirit is here. You know, yeah, and he's sensitive to that. And all he did was come to Ivanya and say, Ivanya, I give you permission, basically, right? And so when we decide, okay, I'm not the one who has the control of the Holy Spirit, right? That takes a lot of pressure off of me. And that just makes me rely on the Holy Spirit himself. And that's when the, there's no room for manipulation once that happens. I think um, if you're in a context where there's a lot of people with a, with a history of manipulation in context of the Holy Spirit, right? Or in have, have lots of church history where, where pe pastors and leaders would rev up those moments, um, you know, I think that there is something really powerful about training your leaders and saying, this is how we do this here. This is what you can expect. This is what we will do and this is what we will not do. This is our theology around the moment. That just makes everybody feel safer, right? More comfortable. And that is a really simple thing that you can do uh, you know, on a day with your leaders where they get to ask those clarifying questions. But I think there's some, some real power in setting parameters and giving good explanation of what people can expect before you even get to the moment. Because um, I just think people feel safer in that space. And really quick, uh, as a pastor or uh, as a pastor, senior pastors, it's really important to do that. I do it with Ivania, with Jerry, with the worship team. And I'm really clear to them. And I say, and I said this to, to them, I want zero manipulation over the people, please. I'm really clear with that. And last night after we had this glorious moment uh, before the Lord, and Ivania, when where we were over there at the end, I, I said this to her, please keep this always pure. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does the best. And, and, and that's something that we need to communicate to our team very often, very often. And, and otherwise, it can become a mess. Isn't it? That's good. Before we go to the next question, I just wanted to um, um, just maybe comment and kind of encourage you to kind of give some space for cultural differences. Um, how we experience the Holy Spirit is usually pretty pretty close to how we kind of just do life. And so one easy example is the um, default volume 
at my family's dinner table is probably higher than the default volume at Steve's dinner table, right? And so maybe when I'm talking loudly, that's just how we do it in, within my cultural context, right? And so if I am preaching, I preach at a higher volume. When I am doing Holy Spirit ministry, my volume might be a little bit louder. And so um, that, isn't necessarily, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I am manipulating or anything like that. Does that make sense? And so just as we like really lean into cross-cultural, multi-ethnic ministry, I think we all just kind of have to give room for, um, you know, how people just sort of naturally uh, do their thing, live their life, their cultural expressions. You got one. Um, so you discussed how to like train leaders to be flexible, you know, as you're building up to be flexible to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, and so then, kind of like what Miguel was saying, within the context of, um, like, a church that is trying to change its culture and step into being more susceptible to what the Spirit's doing, um, what are some of the things that you've done, like, within your staff to say, like, this is what we're moving toward culturally of being more receptive to the Holy Spirit. This is what we're doing. Um, we're going to start doing differently uh, to... Um, just lean into what the Holy Spirit is doing instead of sticking to the clock, stuff like that. Um, as far as like trusting the discernment of others, giving people permission to press in when any of those take more time. Um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. One of the things we've done um, is to start implementing and having uh, Holy Spirit nights. So this takes it out of the Sunday morning setting or Sunday afternoon for us. Um, setting where we do have that clock, where we do have to make sure, you know, we have to be out by a certain time. And so that has given us the opportunity to, you know, to share with the congregation, hey, this is, you know, this is, um, we invite you to come and experience what the Holy Spirit has for you. And it's not within that, you know, time crunch. And, and so we're allowing ourselves to also step out of the box and say, okay, this is going to be, you know, something that we're going to do every three months or, you know, whatever it is. So that's that's one thing we've decided to do. Something else is we encourage the people to to be natural, supernatural. And once again, I want to come back what I mentioned uh, a while ago, to be natural, supernatural, wherever they are. And, and for us, that's really important to have that culture or DNA as a church in Lavinia Gurney and, 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 and just to be always available to whatever the Father has for us and, 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 and to wherever the Holy Spirit wants to use us. So for us as a church, it's really important to have that culture. We can be used by God through the power of the gospel and the power of his spirit wherever we are. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for small group. So... And, and, and I tell them this, please desire, desire to be used by God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Amazing things has happened because as a church, we want to think out of the box. And that's our culture. Uh, just, just be the church, the kingdom come, wherever we are. Uh, one of the things I've asked the team, and I repeatedly kind of, post this conversation my team is is there anything that's getting in the way 
right, is that, you know, and they know their specific ministries more in a more detailed way than I do. And so I say, if this is what it seems like God's inviting us into, if this is what we're making corporate space for, what does that look like for you in your ministry? Is there any thing that's getting in the way of this happening? One of the th- so we were having this conversation on our team, and someone told me that uh, when I do the closing at the end, so you know we do it where sermon, you know worship sermon, um, one last song, and then the closing. And one thing that someone pointed out to me was that in the closing, I would like wrap up the sermon, and then I would like point to the ministry time. Right? If you would like prayer, stay after. Blah blah blah. And someone said. Um, when you point to it, nobody leans into it. So what if you didn't point to it? What if we all did it? And I thought, well, that's within our theology. Let's try. And um, it was so good. because, And that was just something that, so, and so what that meant was then that ministry time was actually something that we corporately were stepping into. It was not a you know bonus feature of our Sunday morning. It was a part of our Sunday morning. And um, I just found it that much. There were just people that wouldn't have otherwise stuck around that were able to engage. But I didn't know that. I would just invited a conversation with my inner people, with my team, and said, do you see anything that's standing in the way? They have a different perspective than I do. And so to be able to have that dialogue, you know, it was really simple. Somebody pointed to it. We made a really simple tweak, and it changed things. Um, and so I think it's just part of part of that hosting conversation. Any, any other questions? Can I say something about that? So, yeah, question. I, I was gonna uh, say something about that. Um, we had a, a meeting with our leadership and the same thing I told them you know forgive me but uh, before we went to the meeting I said let's let's fast we fasted it I got hungry but we fasted and we had a powerful meeting but on the way to that meeting my wife asked me what's the agenda what what are we doing and I said well this is what I have so far in my head we're gonna get there we're gonna pray and worship and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the agenda for this series about the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask him. And we're going to do that. So I was thinking that the Holy Spirit, after the meeting, we're going to have the whole uh, how do you say, agenda or topics for the whole series. And it turns out that we had a powerful moment. We worshiped the Lord. And um, the same thing, I told them, I'm nervous. But I'm willing to take the risk. We finished the meeting, and we didn't have anything. I kind of had an idea for the, for the topic for the next Sunday. But that's okay, because we told the Holy Spirit, you're leading, we're not leading. I'm not going to go into a book and to give me a strategic and, and it's subjects for every Sunday. No, we want you to lead us, because you know the people. I don't know them. Real quick, going back to what Steve was saying about how he tries to keep emotion out while the spirit is moving. How do you do that? Because I know for me, myself, and a few at our church, when the spirit's moving, 
you just can't help it. You know, and how can you just, is it just out of experience or what have you learned how to do to be able to operate like that? That's a great question. I think the first thing is stop thinking about yourself. And just focus on the people that you're trying to minister to. Like there is a time to think about yourself and to be receiving, right? There are times to receive um, when we need to be on the other end. But when you're not receiving, when you're like leading and you're, and you're facilitating the thing, it's sort of like you want to like be just 100% focused on them and what God is doing in them. And actually, if, when you get self-conscious, how am I doing at this ministry? Power starts backing up in, inside of you instead of going into them. And uh, that's not what we want. We want to get, we want it all to go to them. We want them to get everything that God has. So I just like, you know, kind of go into the moment. Like this, this moment's not about me or for me. It's for them. And I'm going to be 100% focused on being a midwife to help them get everything they can possibly get from God. And most of the time, that works pretty well. And I'm not, I, you know, the truth is, I don't feel very much in ministry times emotionally. There's very little emotional content for me. I sense the move of the spirit, but when I'm sensing the move of the spirit, it's not emotionally, it's physically. I feel things physically in my body. Um, but it's not emotion, there's no emotional content to it. Um, so it's very rare that I would feel anything emotionally anyway. In that sense. And it's not because I don't have emotions. It's just like, it's just not the moment. <laughs> it's just not the moment. Um, so I think, you know, being very focused on them, understanding you're a midwife to help them receive from God, that helps. I do think it helps to, some of you maybe hear God a little or, re, you know, sense the spirit more emotionally. And that's probably, that's okay, I guess. Um, but a lot of people are really comforted when I say, I don't feel anything. That actually, it's just like, you know, it is real power. This, when the spirit's moving, it's real power. And I, I feel the vibrations in the room. And I don't know how else to describe it. I feel vibrations in the room. I, it's, a, it's a physical thing. Okay, so. Yeah, and uh, if, if we are experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in that moment, and, and, and that leads us to show our emotions, but it's coming from that real experience, it's very valid, all right? But once again, just like, like Brenda said yesterday, if this is coming out of the flesh, we need to be careful. We don't, we don't know if, if someone in our churches, when we have these moments, are in the flesh or in the spirit, right? But we need to talk about it, and we need to teach about it and preach about it. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example. 
Um, we we know a, a, a lady that um, when she leads, when she leads, she goes over, it's like the queen of telenovelas or soap operas, <laughs> leading, pouring out, uh, crying, <laughs> crying, and, and, and you almost want to, you almost want to go to the kitchen and cut your veins because she's, <laughs> she's in such a pain, leading and crying and, 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 and just Holy Spirit and God and, and this and that. But as soon as she gets uh, out of the sight of everyone, she's in this posture and, and crying and lot. She gets out of the stage and she does it. <laughs> and she walks like nothing happened. I want to put that in front of you. And don't answer, please. Just email me. <laughs> Was that from the spirit or from the flesh? In those situations, we have to encounter them in our churches, right? So we need to, we need to disciple our flock regarding that. All right? See, I'm the least to be here. I'm not that spiritual, but I'm learning a lot. I'm very open to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So I, 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 my, my turn is done. I want to say this. I'm really open to take risk. And we're going to make mistakes. There are my leaders. We're going to make mistakes. You have permission to make mistakes. We're going to follow the Holy Spirit. Second one, I'm encouraging a whole congregation to read the Bible. Someone just mentioned it, David from, from Duluth. He said, John Wimber said, so, can you repeat it out loud? Because it's like a come out right That's what we want to do. When you, uh, when you were uh, asking a question, I was thinking just kind of a scenario at our church, and I'm sure this has happened uh, at many of your churches, where the Holy Spirit is just sort of falling on our worship leader. And, uh, you know, we have given our worship leaders just permission to just lean into that, right? And so uh, they might sing more expressively and just even start weeping in that moment and um that has in so many occasions unlocked uh the rest of the room you know uh and so you know she was leading worship she was leading our congregation but there was also permission to just kind of lean into that um and so what happens in that moment is she's part of a worship team and so somebody else on the worship team continues on the song and just kind of uh, when it's appropriate, obviously. But, and so I was just maybe encourage you, if you just feel like you just simply can't help yourself, maybe there's someone else on your team who can help pastor that moment as well. Uh, and if you're doing it by yourself, you know, grow a team. <laughs> and because we're in this together, right? And there's just sometimes where you just can't help it, right? Um, so I just wanted to add that. Can I just say one more thing? I think you need to turn the lights on. Okay, like turn the lights on so that literally turn the lights on so that we can see each other because the, the, 
the worship people, the pastors, and the people to each other. We need to see each other as we're meeting with God. And God is working with us. And the, if the worship leader can see the people and, and they can see each other, then everybody can be on the same page together as we're working. If the lights are off, the person on the stage doesn't see anybody. You don't know what's going on out there. And they can't see each other. And it's just like, it's just me. And you're not connected to anybody else. And it's kind of this whole big, you know, it's, it, and it leads to kind of a performance mentality. And so, like, turn the lights on. Um, and then God gets to, you know, there's something about being a family together that brings a blessing. And have, being able to see each other is an important part of that. And, and every, every physical and emotional manifestation of the power of the Spirit in us has to bring always transformation of our mind in our spiritual life. In, in uh, speaking to groups who are um, Baptists um, and, and about, about and the context I've done it in is, is really about teaching in, uh, on spiritual warfare. You cannot do spiritual warfare without understanding, having a, a teaching on the Holy Spirit solid, right? Because you're, you're, you're distinguishing between spiritual influences. And if, that's, if there's not a solid base there, so... But in, in speaking to groups of Baptists about this, who have no inclination toward, you know, any of this experiential stuff, um, I have found that it was helpful to start with something they already know and fully affirm, and that is that that if you know Jesus is Lord, you've heard the voice of God already, because if you didn't, you could not come to Christ. That's what he said in six. 44 and 45 in John. So and using that link, it's like something they already know to what they haven't embraced, right? And I'm wondering if you, if any of you guys have um, worked with communities starting from, you know, complete inexperience with this, and how have you tied it to uh, something solid that they already affirm because they're believers, right? They're already... They're Christians, they're, they're believers. Um, the Holy Spirit's already there. You're not asking for something else to come in the room, right? So if any of you guys have, have some thoughts oh, yeah. on that? I, I've been with lots, lots of interesting places, from Baptist to Orthodox. Uh, anybody here ever hear of the G-A-R-B church? Like, they're Baptist in capital letters. Like, they're really Baptist, okay? They're, they're, like, sort of, you know, we're not so sure about the Holy Spirit being in the Trinity Baptists, you know. Um, <laughs> Billy Graham's a liberal Baptist. Like a long story short, about 20 years ago, I got connected with one of their biggest GARB churches in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Through an interest they had in healing and spiritual and deliverance kind of a thing. 
And so they invited me to come and meet with their pastoral staff, about a dozen people. And we didn't meet at the church because they didn't want anybody to see that we were meeting there. <laughs> we met at a hotel on the opposite side of town. And <laughs> secret hotel meetings. A secret <laughs> hotel meeting. <laughs> and uh, I was doing exactly what you're talking about. Like, I was going to, like, you know, like, this is really not that different. You already believe in prayer. It's prayer. It's just, I'm just, it's just prayer. You already believe in prayer. And so I'm kind of starting up my spiel. It's just prayer. It's not that different. And one of their assistant pastors interrupts me. Like I've been there less than five minutes. I've been in the room less than five minutes. I'm just kind of, I'm, I, my whole plan for the day, I'm just going to tell him it's not that different. It's just, you know, taking it one little step further, blah, blah, I'm gonna just going to kind of make it all easy for them. And he interrupts me. He says, I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to ask a question right now. Okay. What's your question? Do you believe God could speak through dreams? And I said, well, of course. It's like all over the Bible. <laughs> like it's in the Christmas story. <laughs> Of course I believe, which is, well, I have a dream I've been having over and over again, and I want to know what it means. And I thought, oh, I should have seen that coming, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and now usually I don't have the gift of dream interpretation. People tell me their dreams, and I think, yeah, that's a dream, all right. Yeah, okay, so, but... but in this moment, and I'm there by myself, they wouldn't let me bring anybody with me. It w I just, I felt like the Lord said, just go with me here, just go with me. I'll help you out. So I said, okay, tell me the dream. And it just seemed like the most obvious dream in the world. It was like, I and so I said to him, I'm like, well, you know, this dream is about the fact that you feel like you're not qualified enough to be doing what you're doing in ministry, and you feel disapproval from your father that he's never thought you were good enough for this. And he puts his head down on the table and starts sobbing. And I mean sobbing, shaking, sobbing, wailing. And I'm thinking, oh, dear. <laughs> I haven't even been here five minutes. It was kind of, I was just about to tell him it's only prayer. <laughs> he's sobbing. Then he falls out of his chair. He's shaking so much he's on the floor. And he goes into a fetal position and then he starts growling. And I'm thinking, oh no, he's got a demon. <laughs> So there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing to do. It'll get down there and get rid of the thing. <laughs> and I thought, I've only been here 15 minutes, and I've already cast a demon out of there, assistant pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, I'm done. This is over. Like, oh, my gosh, this is like, what a, you know. And I, and I looked up finally, and nobody's in their chair. They're all standing in a circle around us. 
tears coming down their faces, saying, that was the most powerfully loving encounter with God we have ever seen. And, you know, we always knew something was wrong. We could never figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were off and running. Like, uh, so all, all of which is to say, this is one of those other things that you actually don't get to decide. Like, I think it's great to be gentle and try to find common ground with folks. But sometimes, that's just not the way he wants to do it today. You know, and like, he actually knows them better than you might think you do. You know, and if you had told me, like, here's the strategy for the GRAD people to go and do a deliverance in the first 15 minutes, <laughs> I would have said, like, that is nuts. Like, that is not a very good strategy, but that's what happened. And it was a great strategy, but it wasn't mine. And so I, I kind of just learned to kind of, and I do get invited a lot to other churches and other places because... There's always somebody who tells them, you know, well, you know, Steve is kind of sane about this stuff. But of course, they don't understand that I might be sane, but the Holy Spirit is not that safe. But anyway, I just I always used to say, like, you let him lead it. Let him lead it because go with him in those situations because wonderful things will happen. Okay. Rick? We had a very full and all-day conversation about all the ins and outs of how do you hear from God and how do you, how do you uh, pray for healing and how do you cast out demons and like they were really eager and hungry like we want to know we want to know like how can we do that because it was glorious. I mean. If we do this right, it's always glorious, right? It's, it's like, in, and, and the love of the Lord that comes through these encounters is like people never imagined. Because, you know, when the, when the spirit falls, it's like liquid love. It's like, um, it's, the, it's the most addictive substance in the universe. It's, it's like, like, this is what we were all made for. <laughs> You know, um, so, yeah. You asked if I had an experience with that, that was it. <laughs> A resident Baptist? <laughs> <laughs> I can speak about that. Yeah. Lady, Lady and I have the huge blessing to have really good friends in uh, different tribes uh, in the Church of the Lord. Um, I surrender my life to the Lord when I was 18 in Mexico City under the charismatic movement in the Catholic Church. Yeah. All right. So that was great. And we serve in a Baptist church under the uh, Northern Conference for almost 13 years. And we came to serve in Vineyard around 10 years or so. So we have 
a lot of friends in those camps. So something that we have uh, find really uh, healthy is two things when we have to deal with these things is what the word God teaches about it and second what the Lord has done in our lives through this example really quick when someone comes and tells me oh well uh, you we don't believe in, in in spiritual warfare and we have a lot of friends in this camp they don't they don't believe in that I I um, tell them this short story that I want to tell you many years ago I had I was about to say the privilege but I don't think so to, to, to be in a deliverance and the girl that we we pray on she lost her earring during the process of being delivered all right and we couldn't find after we finished we couldn't find the um, the earring nowhere nowhere so I got home I got into my uh, bathroom guess what I found over the counter in my bathroom the earring so I asked my friends my uh, in this tribe explain to me this so that's one. Oh, the Lord doesn't speak anymore. Uh, he doesn't heal anymore. I, I tell him this short story. I am a bivocational pastor. So explain to me how, and, and I work in, in, um, in quality control. And I ask him this. Many times during what I'm doing in my job, I pass by a machine or a... Um, set up machines and just I have the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying into my spirit check this production and guess what the production is wrong so we go with that we don't debate there's no need for that we let them know this is the God that we believe in and we know that he's alive and he still is at work and there's no one in the world that can deny that. Any other questions? In English, but okay, as a young person and aspiring pastor, what is one tool or thing that you've developed to learn how to lead well and for a long run? How to lead well through the example of Jesus Christ. Uh, I just recommended to uh, Mark and, and Christy a great book called The Servant. I cannot remember the author. And that book changed many years ago our way of how to be a leader. Because the, uh, the whole thing of, of the book is... We need to lead just how Jesus led, through the example, servitude. So it's through that and through being influenced through servitude. So uh, that 
these, these are great tools that the Lord provided in those years to lead. And, I, and these are huge influences in how we live, how Jesus led, how he served the people that he loved, how he loved those who were against him. So for us, that's the best way to live. Even as a pastor, we have to live by example. Uh, if I would think of a tool, I have gotten really good over the years at asking, can I come? Or will you teach me? Or do you have feedback? Um, so my story uh, was that I was in a youth group that Steve would take with him to conferences, and then he would put us up in the front and say, prophesy. And I was like one of the awkward kids that would like sometimes get it right and sometimes screw it up. And Steve would say, try again. <laughs> and it's, that's the beginning of discipleship, right? Is when, and, but, and, and when people will bring you. But I think sometimes we depend too heavily on invitation and being noticed, right? Like, oh, will somebody pick me? Or I'm just going to stand here awkwardly around the peripheral until someone will. And I get that. I, I get the idea of being invited. I, I get the under, I get the, um, kind of the gift of, of one mentor seeking someone out and saying, I see something in you. But I also think there's something to saying, can I come? <laughs> or can you teach me? Or can we work, do you have a project I could help on? Or because the more experience you have working those muscles, the more you're gonna learn about yourself, right? What you're good at, what you need to work on, what God's called you to, what God has not called you to. And so I just think there's something about repeatedly asking can I come? What are you reading? Can I work on that thing? Where can I serve? Where can I, where can I stretch this muscle um, that, that I don't know what it is yet? And so I think we have to be advocates for ourselves in that way. And I think, too, just not being um, or being vulnerable, not being afraid to be vulnerable and say, not pretending that we have it all figured out, right, because we don't. Um, and not being afraid to say, hey, you know, I could get back to you on that, or, you know, just, just not being afraid of being vulnerable. I think Renee and I have one of those conversations about every other week. She's, like, always coming after me, like, you know, tell me about this, tell me about that, can I do this, why'd you do that? She just comes and gets it. You know, and, uh, the other part, half of your question, is how do you do it long term? Um, more than half of the people that were my peers in ministry when I was young aren't in the game. They didn't make it to the end. Okay, it's one of the griefs that we, that those of us who are older carry with us is, you know, our sort of, as it were, fallen comrades. But most of the time it didn't need to be. It didn't have to be. And it doesn't have to be for you. So here's number one. Use your cotton-picking phone. And, and call... You need to get like three, four, five 
older leaders who will answer your phone call. And every time you're thinking about something or every time you're struggling or there's something new that you're having to stretch into, get on the phone and call them up. And it doesn't matter where in the world they are. Just use the phone. Their phones still work. Or you text if you can't, like, bring yourself to do audio. Okay. <laughs> well, like, do something. Like, just reach out. And I've never seen anybody who would do that one thing fail. Actually. Never. Because if you will call them up and listen to them, they'll get you everywhere else you need to go and save you from the pitfalls. Yeah. Two, come to the meetings. Like, like this. Like, be here. Every single one that failed, that crashed and burned, isolated and stopped coming to the meetings. So just come to the meetings. You know, and Sometimes it feels a little awkward, and sometimes there's maybe somebody you had a little brush up against, and they're going to be at the meeting. You're like, well, get over it. Come on, just be at the meetings. Um, you know, if you, if you do the sort of things we keep trying to push you towards, <laughs> you know, the spiritual disciplines and the faith walking and the stuff, which will get your garbage out of the way now before it gets deadly. You know, so do that, you know. Take care of your own life with Jesus, always. Um, and find a way to offload or pray through the inevitable disappointments and betrayals. Okay, what happens is you, you, get, you get disappointments. Because, look, we're dealing with people, right? And you get betrayals. Jesus told us it was going to be like this. If this is how it is for me, this is how it's going to be for you. But, what, when you. but you have to do something with it. Because otherwise it builds up in your spirit like, uh, like a poison. And kills you. And then you get in such pain that you do destructive things. So you've got to find a way to process those things. And I think getting with your pastor friends who understand what it's like and telling them, you know, I'm really struggling. I just feel like I invested in this person and they just, like, stabbed me in the back. And having a good cry together and praying about it and working it through will keep you alive for another day. Um, so I think those are the big things. And if you're just, we all have Mondays we want to quit. And we have meetings where I walk out and say, they aren't paying me enough for this job. <laughs> or these days, how soon can I retire? <laughs> we all have those kind of meetings. But if you're like, in that state for more than three days in a row. Okay, I'm just saying, if, if 
if, if you are if, if you're stand there in that mentality for three days in a row or more you need to call someone can I just say that you just need to call somebody and you can call anybody in this region I think they'll be there with you in a flash I mean we are blessed we got one of the best regions in the country we love each other you know we connect and so just if it's three days or more like call somebody please if you can do that you'll make it and let me just say all the best goodies come at the end the greatest fruitfulness the greatest ministry the greatest influence all come at the end it's almost like the first 20 years are just a warm up the second 20 years that's where the big stuff is I grew up. <laughs> what that's a wrap like there's nothing else to say after that <laughs> um, you need to remember this we need to remember this leadership it's not about a title leadership is about influence so the question that you need to ask and your peers and all of us, we need to ask in this room is what kind of leader I am? Because all of us, we are leaders. And our hope and your hope should be, I want to be a leader who models the character of Christ. And, and um, the call that I can recommend you and your peers is The Servant, uh, sorry? Oh, the book, sorry, is The Servant by James C. Hunter. And, there, and there's another great book by um, um, called Dangerous Calling by Paul David Tripp. And I know that the Lord is going to use them uh, for his glory and your leadership because you already are a leader. So we're going to wrap up our time uh, here today. If you have... Uh, any questions, feel free to bombard Steve as he's on his way out. Just go ahead and surround him and don't let him leave until he answers all your questions. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, I just, I just want to say a prayer and a blessing over our time. Um, uh, before I do that, would you guys be willing to give our panel a round of applause? These are, uh, these are some of the most humble and faithful servants that I know, and it's just, it's a real privilege to uh, hear, hear their stories, learn from them, uh, rub shoulders with them, and uh, just kind of do this with them. So uh, I'm so grateful that they're here in our area region, um, and, uh, and I'm also really grateful to be in the region with you all as well. So uh, let me pray for our time, and uh, then we'll dismiss from there. Father in heaven, I just, I thank you for what you do. You do what you want to do. Lord, I just, I just ask that uh, just as we leave this meeting, that we would just know um, that you want to do more. You want to do more on the way home, when we get back to our home churches. Um, God, I ask that you would just help us to be sensitive to your leading. Lord, I ask that you would cement in us uh, just the things that you uh, have placed on us this week. 
And Lord, I just ask that everything that needs to be left here at Green Lake would just stay behind. Lord, would you just release, release us from the stuff, the junk that we dragged in here, God, so that we can go home refreshed and free so that we can lead, lead well into your glory. Lord, would you keep us safe as we go? Um, will you uh, uh, just give us a great ride home, a time of reflection, uh, a time of rejoicing? Um, Lord, we just want more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right.